I'm with me is. Well, I'm Steph, and I'm the hostess with the mostest opinions because this new show has got me just all in my feelings. And <laughs> David, hi. I don't know what my opinions are yet. We'll we'll see. <laughs> well, that's the point, you know. Uh, and uh, we are back with our newest book club. We are looking at Comrade Deno. This is our new couple weeks, couple months long series on this whole mm-hmm. new show and yeah um i'm glad to have you both but also um thank you for treating us for this uh new club day it was like yeah when i heard when i heard you were doing it i was like okay this gives me a, a reason to like actually watch common writer and not give up <laughs> like halfway through every series i've started because mm. the last series that you had watched was common writer kabuto right no i had watched kabuto and then I talked to you on a previous episode about because Wizard. I had started listening to you. Yeah, we had watched the start of Wizard, and then since Wizard, I had got about a little bit more than halfway through. Uh, oh, what's it called? The one with the flip. I have it right here. What's it called? The flippy things you stick in the belt. <laughs> That's the newest anything. one. The pop. He looks Wizard. like a Monster Energy can. <laughs> Revise. No. Uh, yes. Revise. Okay, because like the newest that stamps, one before yeah. the one that just came out. Oh, that's uh, the book one or? No, it's the one zero where it's one. like with Aruto, zero one. Yeah. That's it. No, yeah, that was our um, first show that we covered in our like yearly show. And that was a good series. But yeah, it's also like, it's hard to watch stuff. It's, it's very long. <laughs> I keep seeing references to it in the um, Toku subreddits. Uh, so is there a... Um, like a new iteration of it that's going on right now that's caused people to go crazy or is this just kind of like a tribute to the original i so here in japan i've seen them release like a bunch of merchandise so i don't know if they're doing like a movie or something is coming for it but i know that there's been a little bit of an uptick right in zero one yeah huh it was the first of the like new like era for like the Reiwa shows and like the cast is very mm-hmm. good. Uh, they just had like the last quote unquote movie happen like six months ago. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Then maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe. Cause these shows have like a long tail. Cause like for like an extra year, sometimes like two years, they'll like be releasing like character movies afterwards. Like here's this character and here's what they were doing after the show ended, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, I, wonder if part of that like too is because like that's the first like series to get a blu-ray release i think outside of japan as well oh really it actually got a a, yeah like outside japan release. that's kind of impressive because don't most of this aren't most of the series or was it just ryuki that was tied up with legal stuff i think a lot of them were Mm -hmm. and i only say that just as someone who's tried to look for merch on the uh common writers that i have fallen in love with like there seems to be a lot of legal stuff mixed up with how we 
watch these programs. It's kind of Thanks, crazy. Saban. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, like, I hate all billionaires, but there are some that have, like, a little extra on it, and like, he's definitely one of them. <laughs> a little bit more stank on it. Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> uh, for a while, they were trying to make a show called Power Rider or something that was meant to be, like, adapting... Like Kamen Rider, like Power Rangers. This was like after they did Kamen Rider Dragon Knight, which was like the version of Ryuki, that weird adaptation of Ryuki. Yeah, it's really weird. (laughs) Uh, It has a big shipping community in like slash fiction, but that's like the most it really has. Well, don't most of these shows have that? (laughs) Well, yes. So that is like a true Kamen Rider thing. You're right. (laughs) No, uh, it's a problem that like a lot of Togu has and like a lot of like anime has like too where they can't make convincing like heterosexual ships, but they can do like make people really feel about like Naruto and Sasuke and like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but right. Yeah. Uh but um so today we are looking at uh, the first eight episodes of uh Kamen Rider Deno, the two thousand and seven series. And um you know, like a little bit like about us and like uh, the like shows we've watched, but um, l- let's talk about this show and like kind of where it comes out and like what the context is and like what the show becomes a little bit. And yeah, so um, when Comrider like stops in the 90s, it's gone till like 2000 with Kuga. Wow, really? Uh, yeah, like a good like 10, 12 years. I think it's gone. That's impressive. I didn't know that it was gone that long. Yeah, I I wouldn't imagine they'd had any gap at all just by the amount of them that they have. But that's very interesting to learn. Yeah, like I'll check right now, actually. But I'm pretty sure it's something like um, Black RX, the sequel to Copywriter Black, ends in 89. And then Kuga starts like at the start of um, a Copywriter. Um, that is in 99, I think. That's amazing. They went that long without making one of those, but they have so many of them to show for it. That's a, incredible. From September 1989 uh, to January of 2000. The gap. Wow. Yeah. Um, and like when the shows come back, they're not like meant to be a franchise the same way. It's kind of like, let's reboot. Let's try stuff. And like, it's weird because like you have like the third series when they come back, like I'm writer. Ryuki's like a weird legendary thing in the fandom too where it's like a response to 9-11 and trying to like teach like mm. kids morality and that moral lessons yeah. yeah we went to that really weird time period during them when it seemed like every show had to have that like we went from occasional camp Captain Planet episodes to all of a sudden everything we watched had to have like this moral uh, stamp on it it was very bizarre yeah, um, but like these shows are like really dramas in the early 2000s. Like there's a lot of eggs, like there's a lot of like just the tippy top of like melodrama and like darkness. And like it's like a weird thing to think of because they were like selling a bunch of toys and doing great ratings. But also they were like eggs. Like there's like this one scene in particular, like where there's like like this like character just like killing a bus full of people while listening to Lincoln Park and it was on at like nine in the morning for kids. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and uh it's great. Love it. That is perfect. 
I feel but, like we all had that reaction because we were all almost <laughs> like in the 90s. So, But just like 2003, like 2004, like every show was doing this. It was like an Ultraman show that was like trying to get in on this buzz, but like got like a weird time slot. Pam, like early morning angst in a way it wasn't supposed mm. to be and like got really messed up. Is is that the Ultraman that's like hypercritical about Ultraman where like he saves the day and like destroys the city? And yeah. Then his friend's like, what did you save? Everything's wrecked anyway, you dumbass. His, his best friend was an insurance adjuster and was just like, you know what? This is just <laughs> this not going to be okay. so much paperwork. <laughs> um, yeah, like there's like an Ultraman that's very much in response to Evangelion in a super uh, big way. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, it's bad when all of us go, oh no. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's nothing, uh, there's no like the last of those movies, like hospital scene, like, but it's still pretty angsty. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so, yeah, like th- these shows are like uh, very weird but popular. And you have stuff like, um, we watched Cumberland Rider like Hibiki that was like a departure from that and like about like coming of age and like a like man and a child and like can they learn from each other mm-hmm. and then like uh, that is like two series before this goes to Cumberland Kabuto which is just like less angsty but still like very like badass and cool do you know it is going from Kabuto to this is so weird mm-hmm. because like Kabuto is very I feel like future forward looking like, mm-hmm. you know, they're using like um, kind of futuristic tech and there's like government agencies and they're fighting aliens. And it's kind of like this serious melodrama, like about like uh, brothers and sisters and stuff like that. Yeah. And like what it means to be family. Mm-hmm. And then there's this show where the main character is an absolute doof. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the reason I like um, said you all like the like, uh, the op for for kabuto because it's like the tone shift to this next show mm-hmm. it's it's pretty hard yeah i i feel like i am in the same position just because this show even from what we were last watching also is a major tone shift and that's something that the very first episode i was like as soon as i heard the theme song i didn't even know if i could get behind it but the more I watched it, the more I was like, okay, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? And like I do with most common writer shows, the more I watched it, the more I was like, okay, I can kind of see what's happening here. So, yeah, there's, I think there's this major theme in kind of like these different series of you don't exactly know where it's going. And the entire world can be completely different from what you experienced before, but you're still going to kind of find a way to get into it and that's what makes them fun for me mm. yeah it's a big reason of like why this whole like th- this time period there's like a ton of like weird common writer shows like like there's weird sentai shows there's like um a lot of like third party smaller toku that like starts around this time like two including like garo which is like a, uh you want a show that's dark <laughs> Garo's fucking dark. Yeah, Garo's a weird show to like describe. So it's like a like dark fairy tale Witcher esque. If you want to like inspire like a real like Garo's like the Dark Souls of Common Rider. Yeah. Oh, nice. And like it loves its like um 
weird art and nudity and like weird mm-hmm. people eating eggs and stuff like it's it's a weird show okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best touchstones maybe like it's a lot like berserk i think mm-hmm. a little bit yes um but yeah so like uh the last show that we did a book club on like me and stuff was like Camera to key for the show after this, which is like a lot less angsty. It's still very much an angsty melodrama show, uh, but it's like about like monsters and like stained glass. It's like cool designs. This show is considered like a turning point for Common Rider, and it's definitely a lot different from like what comes before and after it, I think. But yeah, uh, this is also um, when it came out, a lot of people hated it in the fandom they're like what's this shit it's too mm-hmm. much like sentai too much like power rangers why is there a team why isn't this guy cool i can see that also this is the most popular carbon writer show ever huh really yeah huh so to, to give you some um perspective uh the um lead actor um i don't want to butcher his name but i'm going to a little bit um his name is um takaru sato He's done like a lot of stuff like you might know like internationally like being um he plays the live action Roroni Kenshin. Yeah, he's Kenshin in the live action uh Roroni Kenshin. <laughs> Which is where I knew him from first because I had seen those movies before I came to this and I was like, "Oh, hey, is this where he started?" But I he's been around for like a while, I think. Yeah, he has. Um, since this, basically, like he's been in some amount of demand. But like to put in perspective, how popular the show is. Um, most series have their movie and their series, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And like in the past, like ten years, they've like done like crossover movies with like the previous series and like the one before it. But um, this show um, had two follow up movies after it. It, it was done. And uh, the like uh, last of those was called Farewell Ditto. The next year, it had a a like new movie, and and the year after that, three new movies. Oh, and the year after that, a new movie. Two years later, another movie. Two years later, another movie. And last year in 2020, it had a magical girl themed movie come out. <laughs> wow. This is not counting the specials and the animes. Mm-hmm. And like the <laughs> online series, like uh, they just started like another Sentai series themed after the story of Momotaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like a three episode like crossover. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, That's yeah. Intense. It's like not counting like the times the characters will show up in like a multiverse thing, but they're not prominent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's so many common writer crossovers where like dudes just show up for like 10 minutes and then they're gone and uh i have always maintained that what a toka movie could do with a like quarry of 200 people is a little bit more impressive (laughs) than like you know how many explosions can i fit into the bottom of this empty ravine yeah if you get like six people 30 costumes and like one like one just like big cat like scooper like you could just like make a whole movie like that just as wild uh but yeah (laughs) um 
very popular show um longevity is a lot um but um beyond that there's the like more cultural context of um this is somewhat based off like the like uh what's the best way to put it david like the story the folktale the legend of momotaro well it's weird so it's not actually just following momotaro Mm -hmm. it's it's following multiple different uh japanese like uh folk tales Mm -hmm. so like uh in the in the first eight episodes like i'm sure we'll talk about it later when we go into separate episode stuff but like um you have momotaro you have urashima taro and then Mm -hmm. i know of other characters later that show up just through context clues but uh yeah it's it's like multiple it's at least two or three and then there's another character later on which is like part of a fourth one mm-hmm. but they're all like um it's weird they're all uh kind of from the same period of time yeah and like um the what i would say not having the cultural knowledge is that the story of momotro is kind of like the like cinderella it's like a big story culturally um you mean like compared like popularity wise yeah like it's just like oh every yeah yeah. it's it's like everyone knows it right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's not like cinderella at all but (laughs) a little bit but yeah it's like yeah how do i describe it like what's a story that like every kid knows it'd it'd be like uh something like hansel and gretel or like uh the goldilocks something like that in like a western context it's like everyone knows that story because it's just been told ad nauseum like you just come out of the womb knowing that story right it's also one of those like um those stories that does the thing that i love in like um culture like important stories like where there's like a version of it. it's like oh there's a baby in this peach and there's like the version that's like so these old people got this peach got really young and they fucked <laughs> Yeah, there is there is regional versions of some of the the stories. Yeah, the story to like make it clear, I guess, is that um, there is an old couple um, who does not have a like child um, mm-hmm. and they pray for one and a peach falls from the sky. Uh, historians don't know if they ate the peach and got really young or the baby was in the peach but they get a baby and they name him. Momotaro. And he is like really strong and cool and stuff. And he meets some dogs and some monkeys and he beats the crap out of some demons. <laughs> yeah. That is a very Cole's Notes version of Momotaro, <laughs> but yeah. That was yeah. all this time, honestly. And like, I'm sure it's like, oh yeah, like he met some monkeys. And that's why the train has monkeys on it. And like he met a dog and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. It's well, like, all the, all the, the animals on the train are based off of the, the animals that he met from the, mm-hmm. in the story, like his friends that he gives Kibidango to. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the context. This is a weird departure that people hated at the time. Um, people like it fine now i think when they like aren't just like reacted to it i think um and it's like has that that legend there's more legends that, that come up including i think some of the like monsters of the week are like themed after like smaller legends too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah um i think that is enough though to uh to start talking about the show all right this is a show that 
is for the most part broken up into two episode arcs. Um, that was another thing people hated about like a lot of like commander like at this time, but it's it's format. <laughs> what you know? So yeah, um, let's talk about this first arc. Uh, episode like one, I've arrived. Episode two, <laughs> right on time, but also more um how we get introduced to and our first impressions of like these characters. So let's start. Um, what did we think of our main character, Ryodoro uh, Nogami? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll let put this nicely. Um, unless we, I, okay, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should just read what I wrote down. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I said, what even is this opening scene? Dude seems like a fucking doof and in a way that isn't endearing and he's just kind of a weirdo. So glad I let David take that one. <laughs> yeah, he's just so like, <laughs> unlike any other like, common Rider character before this, because like, they're all very like, stoic and like, manly and I'm going to save the day and heroes and here's this idiot he like, would trip over his own feet. Yeah, and I think that I kind of had that issue doubly because we just watched uh, Kiva, which their main character is also a giant doofus. But I don't think that he, like, kind of fails in the way that Ryu does. (laughs) And it was very difficult for me to watch the first episode to kind of get bonded to this main character. So, um, I've told you this, Steph, but I'm not sure if I've told you this david but um mm. there is a triangle of um how you present a comrade protagonist and they can be okay. um asshole or dumb <laughs> yes you and did they have to pick so this guy's at least two of those three right <laughs> he's not dumb he's just bad luck <laughs> he's okay i would say maybe not dumb but definitely more naive than yeah, naive is probably the, the better word. Point. Like he's very sweet in his way, but I think that that's kind of what takes <laughs> away from his ability to believe that he is a common writer, just because he seems to have no life experience, and that's compared to a couple of the shut-ins that we've looked at in previous series before. Well, um, let's compare him a little bit to how we are introduced to other common writers. So like in like, um, him writer, like Kuga, he's this guy at the airport and he helps the kid find his mom who's crying. And like, he juggles for the kid, you know, like right. that's, he's a goofball. Yeah. Um, in common writer Hibiki, um, he's a goofball who's singing and then saves the kid's life. Right. In common writer Kabuto, we meet Tendo, I think. He's just, like, pointing at the sun. He's like, I'm so fucking cool, my grandmother told me. <laughs> my grandma said, I'm the best. Yeah. Oh, and now I will kick your ass. Wait, you guys aren't trying to murder God, too? <laughs> He's that meme. Uh, we meet uh, Wataru and Kiva by... He's wearing a mask trying to get, like, some paint off of, like, a church door. And wanting to get snail shells. <laughs> yes, yeah. I will never forget that as long as I live. Um, for the character from, uh, Comrade Zero One for Aruto, we meet him as he's failing at comedy. So, mm, yeah, I, I can understand where, like, there's some similarities, but I, I've never seen a character who is just this, like, 
absolute like three stooges buffoonish. <laughs> right. Um, there's this point later where uh, it, it's like the last episode, I think, where like he's trying to talk to somebody and like multiple twins keep hitting him with different like balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's great. That for me, at least. <laughs> but yeah. And I love the character's reaction to, to that scene. Right. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're like, this can't be happening. This is like reality denial at this point. <laughs> but um, a lot of the more hapless or like less interest, less cool, not le- not less interesting. The less cool people that get introduced to Kamen Rider are after him. He's kind of the first Kamen Rider who's not cool or dumb. He's shy he's he he's hapless in a way that has not been seen before you know mm-hmm. um and like it's like contrasted how like how pretty time is in the train you're like oh what's this like cool mystery like what are we gonna find out there's like this guy's in a tree <laughs> in his bike <laughs> yep so yeah um he just keeps getting in trouble like he like knocks into some guys who are playing dice or something and like and gets like beaten up and like we see that he like has his name on his wall because it happens to him all the time so yeah uh not a good introduction to a hero unless but no um so (laughs) then the next character that we meet is um the female lead and that is like hana uh and she is sad and mysterious. That's really all we get. <laughs> <laughs> we do, but I mean, it, is she is she sad though? It, uh, she, she's she kind of seems like she is. I guess a little bit. She just seems pissed off <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I I honestly do love her character, um, and that develops a bit more through like mm-hmm. the kind of episodes that we get to watch. But yeah, like the fact that her character like came out guns blazing, I really appreciated that because that's something that Kip and I have talked about multiple times is the fact that female characters don't really ever seem to like get their chance to shine, but she like takes it every scene she's in. So I appreciate that. This does also do the thing of like um we mentioned um in the previous book clubs where there are actually a fair few like prominent female characters in the show like immediately mm-hmm. um and um the other one i want to talk about is um his sister and that is ari she is uh beloved <laughs> <laughs> her and her coffee friends uh, she's too weird not to like like i i dig that about her she is definitely memorable if nothing else yeah, there's like dudes with like mm-hmm. their jackets like pulling out flowers from it and stuff and she's uh a bit of a cipher at this point, I think. Yeah. Is what I'll definitely. say. And like um we find out like there is that um they are taking care of each other. They have this home slash business, but he also has this like job um outside of that. And um mm-hmm. A lot of suitors. Uh, there are two prominent suitors. They have names, but we don't need t- to know them. Uh, I was going to ask, like, <laughs> do they actually have names? Because it's like Cap Guy and the guy who looks like a reject from a visual K band. <laughs> so, and those are both perfectly valid ways to describe those two fuckers. Yep. So, yeah. You must mean Seiji, the journalist who looks like one of the main characters. I'm Kamrata Kiva, um, Otoya, 
Or as I he also say, looks like, like a character from Kabuto as well. Mm, yeah. I was gonna say one of the Beatles. Like <laughs> you guys are thinking way outside of my box of experience. And then there is Issy, the super counselor, which I'm assuming is just like a guru, like New Age or like like classical help self. This this is a guy who who's read the game and think it works, right? He didn't read the follow-up where it turns out that no. all of those methods no. have already been debunked because so many guys did them. Yeah, Because like a monk or something is what he's like posing as? I don't know. Uh, yeah, the, I, I think that's I, what he's going for is that's supposed to be yeah. his big aesthetic is like this super like in touch with himself, nouveau religious guy. Yeah, they're like her two most prominent suitors, I guess, of all the dudes who are here because she's so pretty or whatever. Because she talks about her coffee friends. Isn't that how you fall in love with a girl? Uh, usually, uh, not. No, I usually, uh, get some more details first, but Damn. it's just a coffee. I don't know. I don't know. ID seems like the kind of girl who won't date you because <laughs> you're a Scorpio and she's an Aries. <laughs> <laughs> That's the impression I get from her. I can't believe you nailed her character so correctly that way. <laughs> it feels like it should be a crime. <laughs> Loves books, makes good coffee, has a telescope that she looks at. Seems like she's like absent-minded in a way that we'll come up later. Uh, but um, her opposite, I think, is uh, Naomi, who makes Teletubby coffee using like a like spigot. <laughs> her coffee offends me so much. I don't even know how to put this into words, but just the amount of sugar and cream that has to be like part of that concoction to make it look the way it does. I, like my stomach starts aching when I look at it. Oh God. But like she like pulls out this like spout, like it's like a like gas station and it puts like a bunch of like foam on it, which right. true. I mean, I guess, but damn it. If she's mostly like, giving heart attacks to like people from like feudal times be like hey here's this and they're like ah what well i mean they'd be having heart attacks so that'd be more flavor than they ever experienced in their entire lifetimes <laughs> they're used to eating potatoes right without any salt or butter or anything yeah the first time of many in the series but how do you describe her costume though for Niobe? uh <laughs> my my note was just I wish that the Shinkan set had chicks dressed in a full leather getup because I'd ride it more often. I found a full body photo of her from the wiki, uh, and I'll post it up. But um, it, let's start from the bottom. Um, sh she is wearing red leather boots with three watches on each of them. They're all different watches. Oh. Yeah, because you don't see her like upper, like lower legs because she's always behind that desk, right? True, yeah. She's wearing like leather leggings that have white arrows pointing down. Then I guess she's wearing like a leather miniskirt? I don't know. Over leather pants. She's wearing like an apron slash like sculpted top. I don't know what that tended. is. Uh, red leather gloves. A, like black leather sleeves and she has four watches on each hand um she has like a collar she has like a shorter like kind of bob hair and like a big red st stripe and then she has like a hat like a train shaped conductor that's like a tenant hat yeah 
Yeah. Um, it's the old <laughs> flight attendant style hat. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Perfect. Um, she is a recurring character. This actor was in a previous Kamen Rider show as just like the teen girl who knows a guy that has has amnesia and has a garden. But that's like her like she wasn't acting for very long if I recall. She's like 21 here I think and she was like 15 in that like original show. Mm. But yeah. Um so her name is Rina Hakiyama. She comes back like a bunch in Kamen Rider. She has her only note on her page on the wiki is um has the nickname Oshidina. Oshidina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is uh meant to show that she she earned the nickname in 2007 of the best butt in Japan. Okay, I get that. There you go. <laughs> That'll come up later when uh we see this camera around her. <laughs> I will say that. I there's like at least one scene that I remember that's just like the characters are like, oh yeah, time. And then it's just like on her leg on this counter. I was like, what's going on? I'm like a teen, but I know this is exploitative. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, then there's the owner. He is uh, a mysterious figure. He is uh, the only thing that I could say about his actor is that his actor is very big on Ninja Warrior slash like Sasuke. Oh really? Yeah. So you like is that where he's from? He he like is one of their like he shows up every year and like never gets past like the first course. <laughs> oh, okay, fantastic. He's also like fifty five when he first showed up though, so it's like you know, it's cool. Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah. All right, you know. But yeah, um, and then there is um this episode because it's like all about just the first like after um. Uh, I need to hear with confidence. How do you pronounce Ryotaro's name? Who? Ryotaro. 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 Okay. Yeah, because I hate not quite knowing exactly. But um, the like story of this first arc is that we're meeting the crew. We're setting up um, him as Comrade Geno, but also that uh, the people who... um beat him up this like team of boys uh one of them tetsuo loses a uh, keychain that um is very important to him so what did you all think of uh, the explanation for um what the imogen were and what they were doing i still don't know like like uh, after watching eight episodes okay here's here's my my hold on like what they are they're spirits question mark from time mm-hmm. question mark who want to go back in time question mark to fix or change the past so that they don't die in the future is that correct kind of Okay. They describe it once here and it comes up a lot later, but like they are people who live in a timeline where an event happens in 2007 that causes their timeline to stop existing. And that's why they become spirits in time. Okay. And they want to like destroy 2007 so that their timeline can exist instead of the current one. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing because, like, it turns out this is actually not a show about time travel. <laughs> it's a show about trauma. Weirdly enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the time, like, I was very much like, oh, they're only traveling back, like, two, five, three years of the past. But it's actually really interesting to have a show about time travel do that and have it be so personal. Mm. But, um, yeah, so they are monsters that are making contracts to become corporeal and then go back to people's strongest memory based off the wish they made and like mess things up. Gotcha. Okay. They're interesting as monsters, I think is, um, they're definitely a little bit sillier than like in the previous shows where a lot of them were like very brutal, like a lot of blood, a lot of like murder. And like we, See, like, some of that, like, where it's, like, in, like, the second episode, just as people getting picked up and thrown to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I was like, damn, he just, like, straight up just killed that lady. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think, actually, one of the questions I had, too, Kip, is, obviously, we can ignore this and explore it later if you need to, but it was this actually meant to be a kid's show? Because there are a lot of spaces like in between the episodes we watched where I was like don't know that that would be something like I let my school age child come in and see just you know language and violence aside like there's so much of it happening was this one like geared toward a, an older toku audience or was this meant to be like on along the same lines as things we've watched before well when this came out it was like oh this is like, like a super kitty like Compared to previous Cabaret shows, they were all aimed at kids. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, um, interesting. I, uh, yep. There's a, a I, lot I of agree uh, with that sentiment. pieces of dialogue where I would not have guessed that this was meant to be a kid show. But I mean, I get it. There's still that very superhero aspect to it. So I think that that comes down to like more how uh, you've the Japanese view like language where that makes um, some some stuff that like would be offensive to us is like that's just how you talk like it doesn't matter but then there's other words in japanese where it's like you don't say that it's very <laughs> whereas we would be like okay that's all right <laughs> no i get that though and that's why i always try to like check in with kip like is this normal like i know how much ignorance i have to any kind of other media so i always try to be sensitive to that fact but i know that there were a couple times in this show where i was like i don't know if my kid was seven i don't know that i would let her be watching this show right now i think it's kind of because it's a franchise that does kind of hold um a dc marvel star wars kind of place i think too where it's like Mm -hmm. it's for kids but it's also like trying to answer to like the fans in their 30s and like it ends up like making a show for both and there's times like wow what's going on here (laughs) i get that and that honestly must be such a like tightrope to balance so yeah I'm, i'm here for it and like in the past like 10 years like the shows have gotten like brighter and a little less like this but still, like, they'll have, like, people die. They'll, like, be blood. And there'll be, like, some suggestive content. Like, you know, like like what they would have on, like, a movie poster, you know? Like, it's like that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, this show is definitely um, 
has some stuff that like we also might not just i don't know if japan went through the mom scare 20 years of weird stuff just being reported and sued that we went through uh they're way less litigious here. yeah i'll say that much like less like let's have a bunch of people campaign because there was a scene of of like something so maybe it's just like ah, it's just like less uh, it's not as much a problem but yeah uh this show is definitely does wildly oscillate though because it's like man like it's bad to steal and also murder <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, at least they're teaching the proper moral of don't steal things. If you're a monster, murder is a-okay. I mean, uh, uh, that explains Elmo, too, I guess, but, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no, uh, so, um, halfway through, uh, the first episode, um, we see that Ryotaro, um, is, he's spoken to. By uh, the monster that he has made a like, contract with, Momotaro. He, what do we, what do we think about this character? Momotaro's is the best character in this damn show by a country <laughs> mile. <laughs> I love the kind of Deadpool vibe he gives off. Okay, that's fair. I guess he's gonna have that. He's a very, he's an archetype of like character. Like if he was, if he was human, he'd be in middle school and have a pompadour you know he's he's the chuny character is what we would call him in japan but he's like introduced like trying to be scary and like make your wish and like you are haunted and like he like possesses ryotaro and he's just like makes his hair stick up and like has like red in his eyes and like he's always saying this like stuff that i don't think he means to be suggestive like about his climax? Yeah, because I made a big note about that in my first <laughs> set of notes. I was like, sir, this is supposed to be a children's show. Please relax. His big uh, quote, though, is he loves to say Ori Sanjo, which means like I have arrived. Uh, but yeah, he's just like a big, like braggadocious dude. <laughs> and he's like the red demon, too. So I was like, you know. Hmm. Yeah, like, like the way I describe it is he's he's the the chuny character uh, mm-hmm. in in Japanese. There's a there's a word called chunibyo, which literally means like middle schooler syndrome, mm-hmm. where it's like kids will act out as like they will act out like literally as like anime characters, or they'll be like very emo or like announce attacks and think they're like really cool. And it's like, yeah, this is exactly how it sixth or fifth grader would act because they're kids but he is like that exact character which i kind of am down with in like a lot of like 90s anime like there was like that um delinquent character that would have like yep that whole costume and stuff and like go fight um the big one to think about is like uh kuwabara from like yu yu Hakusho. Mm-hmm. but yeah um he's just like a big wants to fight yeah um He's like the first of the um the Denliner like crew that we meet. That plays into I think um how the first episode like ends um when we see um because he can be pushed from um possession that Riotro is a not he is a he is a singularity point meaning he's a person that is not affected by the flow of time. Um, which is a 
big deal. That's like the show kind of like putting its cards on the table and saying, this is what we're about. You know, <laughs> like this is like this is the plot of the show. This is why this character is important. And yeah, uh, but we see him try and fight because <laughs> he's like this. And he uh, this form is uh, called a platform on the wiki. <laughs> platform hmm, hmm, hmm. yeah clever <laughs> and he tries i guess <laughs> yeah you know uh but he could basically just run he's not fully powered he's just not know how to fight which is makes sense too it's like he is just like a dude who like owns a coffee shop of his sister Basically, yeah. But like the big uh, conceit of this show is that he could be possessed and then take on a form based on that person. And that's how we get uh, his main form, sword form. Very colorful. Fights a lot like a very braggadocious character. And like, um, what do we think of the way this show does action? Hmm. I can see where some series like maybe later down the line take a little bit from the show as far as as action goes. Like it's very um, how do I describe it? There's a lot of like um, fighting with like specific weapons in this and there's a lot more CG mm-hmm. than I think there ever was in the previous series Kabuto. So uh, I mean it is what it is, I guess. Like it, it, they have to move forward somewhere in like the the department. Like you can't just do dudes in suits punching each other for another twenty years, right? Like eventually you're gonna have to switch it up a bit. But I, I don't know. Like for me, it, I I don't like the sword form. I think it's really goofy. Mm-hmm. The the weapon itself, not the actual like suit. I think the suit looks great, but yeah. Um. Every once in a while, like, there is a show where it's like, oh, they aren't doing hand-to-hand fighting. They, like, only have weapons. Or it's like, um, mm-hmm. in, like, Sentai, like, like they'll have, like, oh, like, here's, like, a samurai thief show. It's like, oh, so all their fights are sword fights. That's cool. But also, it's mm-hmm. like, there's a lack of variety there. There's, like, a lack of something there. And, yeah, it's, like, a very, like, weapon-heavy show and, like, forms matter and that kind of stuff. It definitely um, doesn't help that in the start of the show, like, you're not getting a lot of drawn out fight that's much more like oh like you fight and you win because it's like the start and you're showing off stuff you know mm, yep we kind of um just like get our first um mystery though our first uh what this person wish for how do they get the wish and and like how does that relate to their memory and who they are now and um what do we think of um the story of the, the keychain and the christmas uh, from like 2004 that was so much to kind of like go through mentally because you like start the entire thing off being so upset at this thug for obviously picking on the main character. But the more you delve into the story, you kind of start to understand like everybody's motivations for everything that's been happening. And that's a weird position to be in for me. Mm-hmm. My notes just say, whoops, dead mom. <laughs> yeah true (laughs) (laughs) and like like that's i was like i was like oh like that's where they're gonna go with it huh yeah it's like oh okay we're gonna we're gonna hit you with that like right 
right from the get go. Be like, oh, he sucks because his mom's dead. It's like, okay, that's like pretty serious. Like you, you think you'd go into it a little more and they do, but it's not like they can't devote an entire, like, you know, 20 minute episode to this dude's backstory about why his mom died and that's bad. And that's why he, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like tropes do exist to like be shorthand and it's definitely like, oh yeah, here's the dead mom trope. But also like does be like, oh, this is why you're this listless 19, 20 year old dude now like you like had this like whole thing i haven't processed and it's like a good little moment too it's like what i said before is like this show isn't about like time travel in the way like doctor who is it's much more about like personalization and like a thing that comes up later is um we get told by a character that that people's memories are time and that's kind of like the core conceit of the series i think and like when I said it's not about time travel, it's very much like here's a show about like um, people, how they process their grief, how they relate to their like their different regrets. And a lot of them are super recent too. like there are some that go back several years, but like we do spend a lot of time within like five, ten years and like maybe partially that's just like the budget constraint. But it's kind of like cool that the budget constraint made them maybe have to think of this idea, you know? Right. And I mean, I think I think there's a note that I read too that like when they were originally writing this script, that the writer felt like he was pretty constrained because of the areas that they had to shoot in. Mm-hmm. So he had to be like, okay, this has to be like some kind of a centralized area, and I can't go too far back in time because otherwise that requires building sets to do other stuff and. At Toei, they love to have their old, like, warring states, like, village sets and stuff. Like, like mm-hmm. here they're much more like, okay, what matters to this person? And, like, I think it's, uh, this show is comparing this 19, 20-year-old who we actually don't see doing anything in his life and our main character to these four 19, 20-year-olds who aren't doing anything with their lives. And, like, I think it's, like, a very good way to kind of open up to like both like oh this show is about like people processing things and growing and also it's like the strength of the main character because like he his strength is that he can understand people he can listen to them and he can like kind of accept their pain and like that's a lot different than being cool he has empathy yeah yeah you know (laughs) that's very much what he does uh Mm-hmm. it's like sweet to see him like say it's all right to change like time like a little bit right and like bring tetsuo to his mother's room that's like a nice scene because mm-hmm. i mean at, at that point like in the story right like his mom would have died regardless like it, i think it was implied that it was like this is a terminal thing like she's gonna die anyway so like you know it's not gonna change that much and uh trains are in terminals there you go <laughs> but uh, putting it all together uh yeah so these these little changes do come up later in a very interesting way too but uh for right okay. now um it's very much like he doesn't really care about time he's just kind of like oh people are in like trouble people are are in distress that's what matters to him and uh we do briefly also see um this dude in the window watching the fight happen. 
Yes, I noticed him. Like, he's like wearing like a trench coat and a hat, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he's that. got very big mysterious stranger vibes from like, if you ever yes. played the Fallout games. He has a stopwatch. Yeah. Watch his stuff. Um, and that's really it for the intros, though. Uh, but um, that's our core cast. That's like our like conceit. The rest of these episodes are just like telling stories. I think um, the next two episodes, like Ark and um, episode three, Outlaw uh, Momotro, and episode four, Get Out Ani, I Am Serious, are uh, just like a much smaller piece to say, here is who, who is Momotro's, what's he about, mm-hmm. and what's their relationship. And I really liked what they did here with um just like very quickly showing who this character was and like yeah i love that too well there is a guy yamagoshi who is a who we see is a struggling musician Mm -hmm. um he wants money we see him being chased by blank there's implication and there's not um, he shows up later as, uh, the character lock dealer, Sid in Comrade game, like 10 years later, uh, which, huh. yeah, he has a bunch of, he has a briefcase full of war crimes. It's great. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you said that better than I could have, because I'm always like, feel like I'm tiptoeing the line of spoiling something. So the fact that you were able to pick up the thread that I was trying to put down, just very much appreciated right there. No, yeah, but like uh, the plot here is he makes friends with Momotros when he's possessing Yeah, it's like a whole thing. It's like, oh, you'll be like my like older brother and help me like and like we'll like rob these people and Momotros like, of course, this is great. <laughs> I get to fight people? Excellent. And he gets some fashion. Some new clothes. He gets a sick red jacket. I could never rock a colored leather jacket, but <laughs> you can do I anything try. you set your mind to. I honestly believe that. So you, if that's your passion, you follow it. I, I do love in this episode when he, he meets um the guy who owes the money to the I guess they're like loan sharks or like I, I I'm not exactly what he's he's taking money from them, yeah. whatever, regardless, right? They're like the ruffians or whatever. And like Momotaro shows up and like hits a guy with like a metal pipe and he like flies into like uh, a like an overhang and just like breaks it. And then all the other guys that are there are just like, yeah, well, f- well we can take this guy. Like he literally <laughs> launches someone 30 feet off the ground through a, like a metal piping and they're like, ah, we can take this guy. No problem. <laughs> They asked and his name wasn't Majima or Curious. They're like, yeah, no, we can do yeah. this. So they're like, okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> not gonna get hit with a bicycle. Oh yeah, just uh just I like how much like um this does relate to like Momotro's like being that middle schooler and like not having a strong sense of morals. Like Realtoro is like very much like, what you're stealing? This is bad. Like Get my body and like um to see that struggle is like very cool because like 
he doesn't actually care that his body and his muscles are all messed up from like having super strength i guess is the application <laughs> right yeah but stealing and beating up cops that's where i draw the line <laughs> exactly can't have that that's just that's just bad this bad form man and like the tension too of like um in episode four when like um he pushes Momotaro's out and has to like run from the police in this building as he's like lipping. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but yeah, of uh, just he then says, Hey, I'm not gonna let you help. Like you can't possess me. I'm gonna fight alone. Like, screw you, man. With the implication that like if he gets beat up or dies, that Momotaros will also die because they're like linked in some way. The one thing that he can do is decide not to let his body be used. Right. And we also see like that um, Yamagoshi like missed an audition with his band, like trying to help a girl like find her mom and stuff. And like he's super bitter and like, oh, look, I totally could have made it work and all this stuff. And like he got into trouble for that reason. The important thing here is that uh, we get like the first like spine like we see realtors say hey i don't care like you have to apologize like you have to tell me you'll never do this again right and he does and they make their deal again uh and yeah like i liked just like what this set up for like who this comrade is between these two people mm-hmm it's very it's very interesting where like I guess like the the main character common writer is isn't that like cool character who like for whatever reason just because he's you know common writer he already knows how to fight or like he's a martial arts master due to some reason like he's just a dude and like he's not even like it's not the kind of thing where he's like oh like I've always been strong because I help my mom with the newspapers no he's just like a dude and he's like right. the like untrained weakling and it's not about him yep. getting stronger it's about him like just like talking to people yep that brings our third arc though we let me reel you in and a fraudulent dignity uh and we get to meet a new character <laughs> and uh what do we think of this new character hmm i i feel like he's gonna be an issue later down the line because i i kind of I'm irked by this character trope, but he, he's all right. He's that very like suave, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's a sexy turtle. Basically. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. And don't we all need that in our lives? Yeah. When's the last time we like had one of those, like none of the Ninja turtles, a are sexy turtle or <laughs> are that seductive? I guess he's the same color as like Venus de Milo. The best turtle. <laughs> Anyone seen that like live action show for the nineties? <laughs> the live action one, yeah, uh, yep. But no, um, he is suave, and this show is actually really funny at times. Like the way that um, he keeps having like all the nurses around him, and then like people keep showing up and telling like the patients that are also there to get back to their beds. I really like that. I found that really funny. Yeah, <laughs> was like patients are supposed to be in their beds. Get out of here. They're yeah, like, I enjoyed that. Also. Sorry. Happened multiple times where just yeah, um, but he just loves to lie, and um, he like even says basically, like, yeah, like I 
like the woman is up like lying is why i do it like i'm like not all characters are like self-aware enough to know that like they're in it for the lies and not like a heist or anything like he doesn't want anything but the lies and have fun which is that's a lot but yeah and yeah uh the whole like plot is that there's this kid who got benched at soccer and now now uh-huh. he's got, now all of his team's getting beat up by this image but which is very funny actually as like just like this crab beating up his kids but i forget why he's in the hospital oh he's in the hospital because he gets hit by a truck accidentally because he just has like horrible bad luck yeah he almost gets isekai <laughs> yeah in the first episode like his sister she asks him did he fall in a manhole again? And <laughs> or get hit by a tricycle again. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure what she meant by that. Hit by a tricycle. Did she actually mean like a rideable motorbike tricycle or like a child on a tricycle? I kind of feel like she must have meant the tricycle. Like like judging from like a child. Luck, yeah. I, mean, I have to say. Yeah, some like five year old like going like sixteen miles an hour, like just like it's a curve. <laughs> Run him over. We get some more of like the suitors, I guess, because they meet him and they're like, oh, you're in the hospital. Like, here's some presents. And he like scams them because he's like being possessed and stuff. And like the journalist also like is like, oh, I understand. You get it. Like, I'm not like trying to cheat on your sister. We're not dating. I'm glad that you're seducing this hospital, I guess. But <laughs> um. The funniest moment has to be actually um, when he like goes with his wallet and then um, Hannah comes sliding in from a cabinet into the room and he like has to like look at the cabinet and be like what what's going on what do we think of the new form I guess like how like he got a rod and a kick and all the stuff he could swim now I like the design of it I think it looks cool I do too, and I appreciated that it was something so unique with like this whole um, fighting monster thing. It wasn't something that you're going to see anywhere else. So I really dug how they kind of like developed that character into what it was. Yeah, he. Uh, this next arc is like a little bit like uh, for him doing like episodes like seven and eight, but basically he's stealing the body and he's like going out and stuff and he's got in trouble. Um, the scene that I most took issue with was the scene where uh, Realtor wakes up in a lady's house and he's like, wait, what did we? Uh, that's a real boundary you crossed, dude. Yeah, that, uh, yep. that just threw up all the red flags for me. And not even because I felt like he did anything, but because it just the whole scene was so fucking uncomfortable. It felt like he didn't know yep. what was going on. The woman that he was with didn't know what was going on. Like, it was just so, like, it was such a slimy feeling to be viewing that. Like, okay, like, this could have been handled so much better. My my first note for this episode is is waking up in some random woman's house is my worst nightmare. Right. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's, yeah. Yeah, there's so much gross about that. To make it worse, a random a random woman's house filled with marionettes. That's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I feel like that's 
it's a nightmare, isn't it? Like, it's already bad enough you're waking up not remembering what you did the night before, but you wake up and you look around and there's all these puppets on strings and you're like... Oh no, I slept with the puppet oh lady. Oh god, and with that guy from Pinocchio, I don't even know what's happening right now. Can you think of any room you could enter where it wouldn't be a thousand times worse if it was filled with marionettes? Absolutely fucking not. And this is from someone who like <laughs> tries no. to watch and read all the true crime. So anything around like the Annabelle uh, storyline, I automatically attribute anything that is like a doll or a marionette or anything. I'm like, that's fucking possessed and I don't want it anywhere near my house. I'm just imagining now like really having to go to the bathroom and like going into like a men's room and just like there's like three urinals. There's like one guy to urinal. Then the middle urinal, he has a puppet that he's holding up at the urinal, and there's like one urinal open. I'd just be like, oh man, that's that's horrifying. And the the uh, puppet is judging you. Like, it's legit looking down to where you've like whipped it out, and it's going, come on, guy. So, and, and, you and it just even, never breaks eye contact because right. it doesn't blink. And you can't even argue with it because you're like, oh god, it's a puppet. Like, what is my recourse here? I have nothing. I'm just imagining a Pinocchio from Shrek as his puppet. That's the way to do it, honestly. <laughs> I, I feel like you'd like to provide yourself with as much nightmare fuel as possible, and you found a way to do it, and I'm proud of you. Good on you. So, um, the lady that he slept over with, but I guess they say later did not sleep with, um, her name is Yumi. Um, she is another returning actor. She played um, a journalist's tech support person in Kamarada Ryuki um, was in like basically every episode of that show and then in like Kamarada Fies she was smart lady who was a mascot slash like spy for the the evil company at the start of that group she was also in like virtually every episode so she's like a prolific like person then I guess yeah she's a top tier actress hmm. I don't know how you describe her her like fashion sense, but it's the fashion sense of somebody who has a house full of marionettes. Yeah, um, how would I describe that? Because like, there's right now there's a popular like YouTube um, celebrity, and I guess they're they're on TV a lot too, called Fua Chan, and she dresses exactly mm. the same, like exactly the same. So. I guess I would call it the early 2000s, like, I don't know, like, she's, and her, like, it's so weird now that, now that you've mentioned it, because now the connection is so strong, like, if you watch any of her YouTube stuff, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's literally this character as a person. Like, I get, I guess it's just like, it's like a part bubbly, part kitschy, I guess. Yeah, she's, she's, she's ganky, she's quirky, you know, like. Sure, if you're like, um, I'm going out, I might as well stand out. I'm in this like major city, right. I'm gonna just like vibe, I guess. Uh, but yeah, um, she's fine, was engaged to this. I'm assuming he's a fisherman based off his headband, but I couldn't quite tell. Uh, he's a carpenter, okay. Yeah, like I couldn't tell because like he had that, which would explain the saw later and fixing the chair. Oh, true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so. This carpenter comes to her house and he sees this guy leaving. He's like, oh, no, I better get this guy. He finds his wallet somehow because he also falls or something because, of course. And then he goes to his (laughs) to the milk dipper 
and he threatens them all and they think he's gonna blow it up because he has a uh, brick in his apron <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i love i love like okay i made this comment because like it's a it's a thing that we make kind of jokingly make fun of people uh here in japan about but like i said i said nice mama cherry which is like he's the the style of bicycle he's riding is for like middle-aged moms who go to the supermarket like that's exactly what it's designed for I'm like, wow, that's so fucking lame. But then he takes this, like, bicycle and, like, drives it directly through the door <laughs> of their coffee shop like a maniac. Yeah, and maybe he didn't actually threaten to blow them up, but he, like, saw their, like, support beam for their house and, like, drive it to there with this, like, old bike and just... <laughs> well, like, he, he drives through the door and he's like, where's Ryotaro? <laughs> he has, like, a, he has, like a, a, a brick in his pocket and uh some kind of like a like a japanese saw for doing carpentry like i'd be like oh my god like this is gonna be a murder scene in 10 minutes and like, i love like how like a lot of these mysteries work backwards too where it's like then we see this crow who's actually like a pretty cool design like his eyes are like beaks yeah, and like he has like no gums or whatever like but no um and they're all scared they're like oh like come back like uh and um, his relationship like that he has with like Ari though is actually like very good too because like they just like talk and it's the first time like we- we've seen somebody really talk with Ari the whole time. Um, but like the whole like the uh, song um, Spring from Vivaldi is like playing and causing people to like mm-hmm. get attacked. I know what's going on but it's revealed that they had a wedding that went badly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the reckoning, though, with um, Heratoros. Like, what are we going to do? Like, they keep fighting in the train. There's this conversation they have, like, where they're like, yeah, well, is your stick big enough? My stick's big enough. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, I can kind of appreciate, like, the, the, like, it, it is very on, like, the lighter side where they're like, they're supposed to be rivals or whatever kind of i guess but they're just like really goofy about it like they're just doing like the most childish like slap fight in the in the train it's really goofy yeah and they keep like almost making the train go off there's like these random people in like different period like outfits like behind them like what's going on Mm -hmm. what this leads to though is that um realtor's trying to get them together then he goes onto this Ferris wheel with Yumi, and there's this weird transition to 13 minutes later where, like, I feel like there's an implied, like, makeout or sex scene that happens. Right. And it was a little odd, but then, like, yeah. <laughs> Not at that Ferris wheel. I've been there. That's in the middle of an amusement park. You probably shouldn't do that. Ah, <sighs> uh, the non-sexual, like, Ferris wheel. Okay, good. Yeah. Mm. Always making sure that, like, I'm not at the non-sexual Ferris wheel. So there's, there's like, so so the scene the scene in the show where um like urashima taro's and um in real taro's body and they're at like an amusement park with like all those girls like surrounding him and stuff and then the ferris wheel and the chapel too actually is all within like 10 minutes of my house <laughs> i can actually see i can see it from my house. like if i look out my window i can see it from my house so it, it was really weird to just like 
I'm watching the show and I'm like, that looks like Cosmo World. What the hell? And then later on, it like very clearly is Cosmo World. And I'm like, oh, they shot this like not that far from my house. And like one like a cultural thing I've tried to explain, but I can't explain it because I like don't know it firsthand. Is like there's a lot more like casual like amusement park stuff like like in Japan versus like it's like not it's not like there's just like Disney World. There's like lower key places you can go and like maybe even like hang out yep. for a day or two. Yep. Um, and like they show up a lot in like a lot of like Tokyo where it's like. Why that like a resource? Well, it's not a big deal. It's just like local, kind of. But yeah. Yep. But no. Uh, things turn to trust, though. And th- the Imogen work together and they stop the rings they had at their wedding from being destroyed and they win the fight. But then he goes back to the modern day to give the ring back. Be like, hey, like, here you go. But it turns out new rings were made. And all's well that ends well. They get married again. Yep. Just like real life. I get new rings made. It's great. <laughs> Every day. Yep. But um, the big actually like plot thread that we get though is that um, there's a scene at the end of this episode where Ryotaro's trying to talk to his sister and be like, hey, you remember, right? And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like crying while asking him what he means. And what do y'all think of that moment? The end The end of the eighth episode? Yeah. Mm, well, I mean, obviously, it's going to be paid off in probably episode nine, because that seems like a very obvious setup. But it's, I guess, it's like implied, like, he, not, not that he, like, lost his memories, but, like, the next episode's probably going to be about, like, she'll get taken over by an Imogen or something or, or whatever they're called. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know where to to go with it. What was your read of that scene stuff? I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I can see so many paths that could be laid out like in the future here, but I've also learned to kind of temper my expectations with these shows. So it's going to be really interesting to see like how these events start to play off of each other. Yeah. And I don't want to say anything because there's also like, I do know where this goes, so that's one thing. Um, but like, as far as like plot threads or, or, or like theories we have, like, what's like most? What do you think? Or like, what's most interesting going forward? Well, it's it's interesting to me in that I guess like it's pretty clear that Rio Taro, when he gets possessed, isn't always necessarily aware of his actions. Because we we see that when he wakes up in in Yumi's house and he's like, what went on? He's like, I was sleeping and then now I'm here and I don't know how that happened. So it's possible that like maybe he did something when again, like he was unconscious and someone stole his body or it could be another third Imogen stealing his thing. Because like, I don't know. Here's my guess. Okay. Given what the suit looks like, and the red button is for the red guy, and the blue button is for the blue guy, there's two more buttons, so I'm going to assume that there's two more, at least one more form, a yellow one, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it right now, is probably Kintaro, because that makes the most sense. Just what I know about stories and color relations, and that would make the most sense to me. Uh, the purple one, I have no idea. 
what that would be. Maybe that's like the third or the ultimate form of all three at once. Who knows? What do you feel like, Steph? This point, I feel like um, with all these small events that Rio is uh, kind of tying together, that there is eventually going to be some like major blowback that we're going to experience later on in the series. Like we're going to see like as much as it seems like it's a very sweet thing for him to try to keep connecting these timelines, we're going to see like why that is a bad thing in the long term. So I'm kind of like bracing myself for that because as much as I hate to admit it, like even good deeds in these type of universes can go horribly wrong, like once they're twisted in some way. So I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think that is a a thing we're going to see a lot of is what are the implications of certain actions? What is kindness? What's allowed? Um, I do think um, the like major threads we really have are like the how is Rio's body being used? Um, what is the state of time? Uh, why is Ari crying? What's Hannah about? Um, and also, who's that dude that keeps showing up whenever they go? Whenever they go back in oh, time, right, I forgot yeah, about him. like the um, I guess the mysterious stranger is what they call it in like the Fallout universe. So I'm kind of interested to see where that goes to. Yeah, um, and that'll all come up like over the course of the show. But uh, for next time, uh, we got another big block. Uh, episodes nine through sixteen, so eight more episodes. The time after that um is only six episodes. So um, like once we've like gotten through the uh this like a uh, show being set up um but i'm very curious to see what we think at that point too he's like this show does do a lot it does work a little bit like uh it's themes it cares about <laughs> it cares right. a lot about this stuff um and i wonder if we'll uh know any answers by that point but um Maybe there's so there's so many things like that that they just don't explain. Like we don't really we know what the image in are, but it's like where they come from necessarily. Like why are they in time? How come they can control people's bodies and grant wishes and stuff? Like there's a lot of things with them that you have no idea right. about at this point. Hmm. Yeah, the show is good with the blank space for now, and I think that's um ultimately good. But it is like a little like confusing too because like, I know like. Mm. it's a normal thing now to be like oh and the second episode they explain how they work you know yeah right yep as we come to the end though I guess uh, who are our, our top three characters let's go uh, who was our third favorite character hmm. oh, that's tough I just say I know who my number one with a bullet is number three is um, I think my number three is Naomi, the uh, the coffee queen there. Uh, yeah, the sexy Teletubby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think for me, my third is probably Hannah. Or Hannah, I should say. Not Hannah. <laughs> she's, not, she's not American from the Midwest. Um, yeah, she's, she's great. Like, I love how she just kind of deals with Momotaro's, like, a- after he stole Rio Toro's body that one time, she, like, just comes on the train, she punches him in the head, she's like, you idiot. <laughs> like, stop doing that. I think I'm going to say, 
for number three for me has to be Ari. She's very good. Um, she um is playing a lot with a limited ability to talk about why she's feeling certain ways. Like it's a weird character to play, but also like uh I like the way it's played, like knowing what I know about it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I would have to say that my number two would be Ari for almost the exact same reasons also, because um, once we get sort of toward the end of our episode arc, you see a little bit more depth with her. And I really appreciate that. Like as an actress, she really pulled that off. She has a certain sadness about her that could be very easy to not have. You don't have the right. Right. Yeah. The right sense of material, I guess. Who's your number two, David? Uh, I think my number two is probably Ryotaro. At first, I was like, "Ah, oh, God, I like, I hate this character. He's such a stupid idiot. Like, how can anyone like this character?" But by episode, I think is like probably six or seven. I'm like, "Oh, okay, he's just gonna be an idiot this entire time, so I should just laugh at his wacky hijinks." <laughs> I think. I think what sold me was. I think it's episode seven when when he just keeps getting hit in the head with like the two pairs of, of people like playing different sports all in within like the first like in like a 10 second time span. And it just at first, you know, it's like, oh, he gets hit in the head once. It's like, ah, that's funny. But he just kept going and going and just getting more and more absurd. So I'm like, OK, this is going to be dumb. And I just got to ride along with that. So I kind of appreciate it in that it's so different than other other characters i really like um it feels like they pick their leads based on like the kind of people that like aren't allowed if that makes sense like they always like he very much feels like the protagonist you pick when you think the magazine or like newspaper or like when you read like an article about like beta males, you're like, that's bullshit. Like it's fine not to care about jobs or like about like dating. And you want to make a protagonist. that's like that kind of thing where it's like, let's make a like sensitive, mm-hmm. like not caring about like these certain things kind of do anything. Um, like for me, that's why like I am interested in the choice to pick him, you know, but that's a larger conversation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my second character. Um, I'm going to have to go with, I really liked um, Yamagoshi in uh, the second arc in like three and four. Uh, He just, I liked that like he went to the interview and lost it, but he's still like working on it. And like, I think just uh, he was like just good and bad enough at being a musician too, where it was like, oh, like this felt like a very like a well done sketch of character. Right. Right. Who's your uh, number one, Steph? Uh, I'm going to have to go with my number one being Hannah. And that is just because I watched her punch so many ridiculous people in the head for being ridiculous people. And um, yeah, definitely my favorite so far in this series. I'm looking forward to see how many more people she punches in the head over the course of our watch. Mm, A lot. (laughs) Who's your number one, David? Uh, I guess we're going from puncher to punch E because my favorite character is definitely Momotaros. Like he's, he's so polar opposite from Ryotaro in a way I can get behind where he's, he's like a very simple character, but I think, you know, uh, 
as the series progresses, he'll he'll change a little bit. But I just love how how sure he is of himself and how cocky he is, and he just has um he has like ridiculous catchphrases. Like I, I forget what episode it was. I think it's in episode six when uh, the kids imagine that uh, flies and it, like looks like a crab. Mm-hmm. or something like that and it starts flying away and he like kicks a bucket at it and he goes crabs don't fly you bastard that's one of my favorite lines in the entire series so yeah I'm with you it's so funny (laughs) yeah but I I I just love him because he's he's just wisecracking and and he's like so different than the main character that I just I enjoy him quite a bit he's great um for me it's gonna be Rotoro um I think he's a very cool character like to just like choose your show for like there are a couple different audiences from Rider at this point there's kids Mm -hmm. there are the fans which are gonna have a lot of loud voices from like the dudes in their 20s and 30s and there's like other like I like Kamen Rider because the boys are cute like crowd he really only appeals to one of those like off the bat um (laughs) And like, I think it's a big choice to say, "Hey, here's this like dude who's like not cool," and he has like some different strengths. And like, I think he plays this like sadness, like he plays this like niceness. And I think um, I'll be interested to see how he shows strength in like different ways more and more too in the show. Yep, we've come to the end though, so um, let's plug ourselves. Uh, Let's go uh, with uh, Steph, then David, then I'll go last. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at hat underscore sis. Um, you can find me on Instagram at nobody much. I will be honest. I am not the best at checking my social media. Um, you can find me and my uh, life slash comedy partner, Jackie, on www.arcademilitia.com. Um, we unfortunately haven't been able to release anything lately because Jackie has been very much under the weather, but we are going to continue our um, uh, forays into media soon. And until then, you can listen to the um, episodes that we've already uh, broadcast. And on that website, you will also find a direct link back to Common Ride Me. So that's all for me. All right. David? All right. Uh, you can find me, uh, on my personal Instagram, uh, is at Zyrel, Z-Y-R-E-L-L, uh, or you can listen to me and my friend talk about, uh, I was gonna say why we like Japan, but typically it's <laughs> why we have issues. Um, <laughs> uh, you can catch us on the, uh, the Tokyo Fresh podcast, uh, and I also do a movie podcast called The Midnight Film Club, so if you want, uh, tears talk about movies, uh, with my other friend, there's that there. Both of them have Instagram. And then if you want to find it, just stick it into Google. It'll come up on Spotify. All right. Uh, you can find uh, me um, at James Forge. Uh, but you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Comrade Me. with uh, episodes and articles. There's Comrade slash episodes for uh, links out two different platforms. Uh, there is slash merch for our merch. Um, at this point, uh, the proceeds we're going to uh, the Ukrainian Red Cross. But if you're listening at another time, uh, we usually default to the Turf Project or uh, to another worthwhile charity. 
for uh, 100% of all proceeds. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I don't know if that matters for the rankings. That's still kind of new. But uh, and I have also forgotten as a very good host that there are actually three questions, not just one question at the end. So let's uh, hit those last two. Uh, Bonus question. What was our favorite just plain old like effect from what we saw? Like could be choreography, could be a suit, could be a like CG. I know. I know what mine is. Uh, Go for it. I'm still trying to narrow my options here. Mine was um, when uh, Ryotaro is like, I think it was the first episode, might have been the second episode, um, where he's riding his bike down the street and then the the train like pulls up in the street behind him. And he's like, what's going on? He's like, how are you doing this? She's like, get on the train. He's like, no, no, I'm not getting on this wacky 3D train that just showed up in the street. Yeah, and I will actually kind of follow that theme, and also in the second episode when uh, Rio's uh, Imogen jumps behind the wheel of the giant um, trash compactor and heads toward the hospital, <laughs> like that whole scene was amazing <laughs> for me. I loved that. A small thing, but I do love um, all those like small scenes of them like getting to doors at like 11 11 11 11 and like going through and just like that like brief cut it's like the easiest effect in the world like every time it looks great yeah but it's so oh, where they've just like green screened out the door <laughs> yeah the last most important question i guess what our favorite of the like fashion that we saw the best outfits that we saw so ooh it has to be for me it has to be momotaros with that sick red leather jacket yeah that man that man got dripped <laughs> um and i have to say uh our main boys uh look at the fair or festival i can't remember which uh person it was that had inhabited him at the time the name of him but i remember it was like the uh rico suave character and okay. i just <laughs> the trench coat fedora exactly. type, type i thing. loved that like that was just so beautiful an honorable mention to hana who is just like always in these like elaborate like sweater and vest and long boots and no pants outfits uh of um like she's making sure like you can see like as much of her legs as possible but um the best for me like um has to be for naomi we had to point it out this is her one win here because i know she's probably not changing that outfit too much it's too form-fitted it's too custom-made right. i was gonna say she can't yeah. get out just <laughs> please grease me up so i can leave this train just please <laughs> exactly and then the final thought, what lesson have we left today with? Have we learned anything? Should we teach anything? What do we feel right now? Hmm. That's always a tough one. I feel like my lesson is always look for your lucky star. I like that. Hmm. I'm going to go a little bit more philosophical and be like, don't worry too much about your regrets because your life will go on look look towards things in the future instead of dwelling on the past oh there you go i think the important lesson 
for this has to be. Sometimes you don't know who's inside you, but make sure you have fun.